All right, folks, we've got another great episode coming from Pioneer Barbecue in Nixon, Texas. Our interview with Sean and Amy Collins. Um, been excited to post their episode for a while now. We're, they're also one of our participating barbecue joints in our Yeti giveaway, which I know we've we've been teasing it for a while. We're finally going to announce the the rules of the giveaway. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. We're trying to make this as interactive as we can. Brian, we've we've been taking account of what all is in the Yeti right now. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I mean, so, so here when we, we, we counted, it was like, you're kidding me. Is really that much stuff? We didn't think it would be <laughs> as big as it is. But uh, but they are, as of right now, there are nine shirts in the Yeti. 20, nine shirts. 21 koozies. 21 koozies. Eight hats. Eight hats. 23 stickers. 23 stickers. And a $25 gift card to Truth Barbecue. $25 gift card. And there's oh, yeah. also a prize pack from Pits and Spits. Absolutely. And there is, well, of course, last but not least, there's a Yeti. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, Yeti a Yeti Tundra 45 that all of this is in. And one lucky winner is going to get all of this. So thank you to everyone that's that's sent us things over the last several weeks uh, that's donated to the, the giveaway. And we're super excited. And uh, let's tell them how they're going to enter this contest, Brian. They're not. I'm just taking it home. Oh, okay. It's well, done. Sorry, we're splitting folks. it. Yeah. See ya. Um, no, we, we've... we've got uh, 10 barbecue joints that are going to be part of this contest for us um, so here are the rules to enter you have to go to up to 10 of these barbecue joints you can go to one and you get an entry or you can go to multiple but the the barbecue joints that are going to be participating in it Ragel's barbecue in houston texas 2m smokehouse in san antonio bodacious uh, mobberly in longview texas evie mays barbecue in wolferth texas outside of lubbock John Miller Black Box Barbecue in Georgetown, Texas, Pioneer Barbecue in Nixon, Texas, Truth Barbecue in Brenham, Texas, Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas, Opie's Barbecue in Spicewood, Texas, and Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue in Pflugerville, Texas. So all 10 of those places have our sticker somewhere at the barbecue joint. And if you go to Instagram, you'll see the sticker posted at all these 10 places. Here's how you enter the contest, folks. Any of these ten places you go to, there's if you take a picture in front of your sticker, in front of our sticker, take a selfie. So we, yep. you have to have your face and you have to have the sticker, both in the same picture. Yep, and that counts as one entry into the contest. Now, if because uh, we want you to eat the barbecue at these places, of course, because they all serve really great barbecue. If there's food in the picture with you when you take that selfie, that counts as two entries into the contest. Now you get a maximum of two entries per restaurant. Yep, per, per person. person. And so one person can have as many as 20 entries into this context, contest if you go to all 10 of these barbecue joints. So please, by all means, participate. Now, in order to, you know, when you post that picture, you know, post it on Instagram, or, um, tag us and tag the barbecue joint in the picture so that we know that you went there. Um, the contest starts March 27th and runs through July 4th. So you have 100 days to get up to 20 entries into the contest and we'll, we will periodically post a leaderboard of how many people have posted different entries and who's, who's got the most entries. Um, and at the end of those 100 days, we will be selecting a winner. And obviously, it's going to be, you know, selecting the winner based on, you know, random choice. But will be the more entries you have, the higher your odds are of, of winning this ridiculous giveaway. And, you know, this is not a lightweight giveaway. It's heavy. So we're not going to mail this. <laughs> just so you know right. we will arrange um, to meet you somewhere or you can arrange to meet us somewhere 
Um, unfortunately, that does mean that overseas folks, you, you cannot be participating in this one. You're certainly welcome to well, if you, post if, up if and you stop and like, take your picture. Yeah, if you feel like flying to Texas and, yes. and, and meeting us somewhere, then I guess technically you can participate. Absolutely. But we will, yes, we're giving you this insane giveaway. The only thing we ask of you is you have to meet us somewhere to get the giveaway if you win it. Preferably um, at a barbecue restaurant. Right, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all over Texas pretty much every weekend, so we're pretty easy to find, and we will gladly, you know, arrange a convenient time for us to, to meet up with you and give you this wonderful prize, and uh, we, we look forward to doing it. We're hoping this goes to a big barbecue fan. That's why we've made this contest, you know, the way it is, so that you're incentivized. The more barbecue you eat, the higher your chances are of winning. Mm. So... There you go, folks. And, and uh, you know, I'm not eligible. My friends and family, I guess, well, my friends are, but my family's not eligible. Right. Fam- our um, families are not eligible to win this. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. Yep. You're just going to have to, you know, eat barbecue with us and not get prizes. Well, the prize is good barbecue. Right. And and we tried, like, the, the smaller giveaways that we do, you know, we try to make it to where if you've won previously, you can't win this. We're not going to do that with, with the Yeti giveaway. If you've won a prize from us in the past, you can still win the Yeti giveaway. It's it's such a big prize that it's it's kind of its own animal at this point. But uh, but that's those are the rules of the contest. We will post more in detail, you know, a written version of it for everyone to reference back to. But but again, the, 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 the nuts and bolts of it are go to these 10 barbecue joints that we discussed take a picture in front of our sticker that's one entry if there's food with you in that picture that means you ate the barbecue joint that's a double entry um that's you know you can't go you, if you work down the street from 2m you can't go to 2m <laughs> three days a week and, and we get, know we know who this is <laughs> well i mean same thing with Regals or anywhere else you get one entry per barbecue joint per person so make it count and uh good luck to everyone we look forward to seeing how uh, how everyone does in the contest see you guys out on the barbecue trail and good luck Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are here today in the small town of Nixon, Texas. And here with us is... Sean Collins. And Amy Collins. And you guys are with what barbecue, Roy? Pioneer Barbecue. Pioneer. Pioneer Barbecue, Nixon, Texas. Uh, This is, if you're not familiar with the landscape of Texas, we are southeast of San Antonio. Um, kind of down in oil country a little bit here. Um, not too far off of I-10 if you're coming down that way, and even closer off of Highway 90 if you're coming down Highway 90 as well. Um, but you guys have a really interesting story of kind of how this barbecue place came to be for you guys, so let's let's jump into it. Uh, Sean, you were working at a restaurant in Brooklyn. How, what, what year was this? In Manhattan. In Manhattan. 2014. Is that right? No, we moved here in 2014. <laughs> When right, I was working there when we moved Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you had been working there since... Yeah, I'd been working there for like seven years. Yeah. So it was a barbecue, was it more of a southern... It was more southern food. Gotcha. I mean, barbecue was in the name, but it was a lot of fried chicken, catfish, grits, collard greens. Gotcha, and is that where you met your now wife, Amy? Yep. Yes. Um, it was 2009 when I moved to New York, and you were, you were working there, and then I got hired on, and that's how we met. Right. Gotcha. Um, Amy, what got you to New York? Um, you're from Houston originally, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I studied theater at University of Houston and went there to audition and then wasn't crazy about that. And then I went to fashion design school at FIT. Okay. And Sean, you're not originally a New Yorker either. So no, I'm from St. Louis originally. I just went there to cook. Okay. Like it's kind of like if you cook, that's 
like the major league of cooking. Yep. I was going to go for a year. I stayed for 11. <laughs> Were no. you doing any cooking before you moved? Yeah. So cooking in St. Louis, then eventually moved over to New York where you guys met. Um, and you were cooking there for, like I said, about seven years. And how did you guys end up getting back to Texas? Or, well, you to Texas and Amy back to Texas. Well, we, we were looking to move someplace smaller, but we were thinking we would end up in like Austin or maybe around somewhere in South Carolina, Nashville. And then I was always finding these random Craigslist ads for things, like and sending them to her in the middle of the night because I stay up late. So I'd be sending her like, goat farms in central Arkansas <laughs> we're not goat farmers and then one time I saw this ad when I was looking for wood for my smoker there that said tired of east coast winners south texas barbecue restaurant ready to run what a cheap or something this is like, like in that. the middle of February and it was like York. snowing it was like the day before the super bowl which is like a horrible day there because <laughs> you're so busy and it's overwhelming and I, I kind of well, sent it to her. 2014, that was uh, worth the Giants doing good back then? No, no, no. no. Not, <laughs> not even then, right? Yeah, for those that aren't aware, I'm a born and raised New Yorker and a Giants <laughs> fan and a Giants season ticket holder. So, But no, they definitely were not very good in 2014. <laughs> I know nothing about football. Yeah, we don't. We probably... Not knowing about the Giants is a good couldn't thing. Couldn't have but, told you who was playing that year. Yeah, but I sent it to her and she's like, that could be something. And I was like, finally, she says, like, you know, we can look into it at least. I just wanted to be, I was ready to be gone from New York when we met. And I stayed for five more years, but it's kind of overwhelming. You can't own anything. You feel like you're just kind of spinning your wheels. So I called the guy, and we talked for a long time, and I told her about it or whatever. And she's like, oh, it sounds cool. And then he called me back the next day. I was like, man, I know this sounds crazy, but I really feel like you should come look at this place. Like, I've had a lot of people you know, call about it, but you should come look at it. I feel like you're the right person. And I told her, I'm like, man, it seems like I've known that guy for years. Mm. But he was just kind of like a good salesman, you know, in a way. And he probably was <laughs> like, okay, if you run a restaurant in New York, you can run a restaurant in Nixon. So for him, it's good. He can get out from under it and get somebody that's going to make it work. But I, I was like, it doesn't cost that much to fly to Austin. I came down here, looked at it, and we just kind of talked about it and said, screw it. It can't be any harder than being in New York. When we came, we didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know any people here. We didn't know nothing. Wow. So that was quite a leap of faith to go from the, you know, the biggest city in the world to small town Texas. Um, what, was, what was the adjustment like you know, just for you guys culturally coming from New York to, to Nixon? Well, it's funny because like the year before we went to Lockhart, we had a wedding and we went to Lockhart and I was like joking. I'm like, we should move to a town like this thinking that was a real little town. And like now compared to this, it's like a metropolis. You know? <laughs> yeah, they got, there's a they've Walmart got a They got an H-E-B <laughs> and like all this stuff. Is that where you go for the big night is down to Lockhart, I guess, right? Seguin, maybe. San Antonio. San Antonio. I mean, we're close enough to everything that you can get a little dose and you can come back. Right. But that, the adjustment wasn't, I grew up in a pretty small town south of St. Louis, so it wasn't, People always ask that, but I didn't really feel like, oh my God, it's just that everybody knows your business all the time. And we got here and we weren't even going to mention the New York part of the story, you know, because it didn't really matter to these people and I knew what was going to happen. And I mean, we'd walk into the store the first day we're here and people were like, oh, you must be the New Yorkers. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I still get people like, what, St. Louis? I thought you were from New York. I'm like, yeah, like no. over Christmas, they're like, oh, y'all going to New York to see your family? And we're like, we're not from there. <laughs> like, I don't have any family in New York. <laughs> yeah. I've went back to New York one time since we moved. 
So long story short, you don't miss it, huh? I don't. I miss. I miss things. I miss accessibility of all things (laughs) because here there's not like even the grocery store like you can't buy basil so it's very um you have to drive to get anything which is i mean we wanted to be in the middle of nowhere and we are and we are (laughs) (laughs) so it's just getting used to that kind of that kind of so we're actually moving to the next town over called smiley and it's way smaller than even here it's only 300 people how many how many is there just one stoplight here yeah, one yeah, Barely, yeah. So you're going from one stoplight to none. No, there's still like a blinker there. Okay. It's not, it's like we a bought like an old farmhouse on, on like in the, out in the middle of nowhere. Very cool. Nice. And we're redoing it all. Are there going to be any goats at the farm? There yeah. are going to be all there kinds of things There are going to be goats. Farm. Yes. All right, so you, at the end of the day, you are going to be a goat See? farmer. And yeah. 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 Stuff, so. yeah, I've taken her in a full circle pretty much. <laughs> from, yeah. from moving to New York for show business to back to Texas. Farm, yeah, I never, I never thought I would move back to Texas actually. And then he, I brought him here once, and he was like, "I love Texas." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Why are we not living in Texas?" Like every other month, I'd be like, "Why are we not living in Texas? You ready to go home yet?" Like even, even in Houston, I like it. I mean, Houston's okay. a fun. I love Vietnamese food, and there's like a ton of good yeah, Vietnamese yes, there food is. in Houston. <laughs> there's a huge. There's a Vietnamese ton of everything in Houston. Yeah, yeah. Which is Houston good. And, it's the good and the bad, you know. It's, right. And you're even starting to see Vietnamese influence coming into barbecue in, in yeah. not just Houston but Austin as well. You're we're bon seeing mis. a lot of barbecue banh mi's now. Yeah, where what was is, that show we were watching the other day and someone was doing a brisket banh mi? I don't remember. I know brother John Brotherton does one up in um, Pflugerville. Yeah, he's doing a, a banh mi. Jim Buchanan in Houston's doing one. He's I've doing a pulled pork banh mi. I've thought about doing it before because my roommates in New York had a Vietnamese restaurant, but I wanted to do a pork steak one, which is like a huge like monster pork steak on there. We're big but, fans of pork steak. Yeah, but everybody yeah. here would be like, Mon me, what's that? Oh, yeah, 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 we would never. <laughs> I mean, when I drink coffee with ice, people would be like, oh, it must be a northern thing. I'm like, no, iced coffee is pretty much people drinking it everywhere. And then wow. the same guy came in, he's like, I saw that iced coffee in the store the other day. <laughs> You're introducing a whole new level of wow. culture to some of, some of these small Most town people. Most people here think that we're very odd and yeah, talking to just your employees. Just with things you eat well. and Like, what do you eat for dinner? And you'll tell them, and they'll just be looking at you. Like, if it's not, like, pizza, chicken fingers, or something. <laughs> or steak and potatoes. Yeah. It's over. Wow. So when you guys when you guys came back here, how long did it take to open up the restaurant? Was it turnkey ready to go, or did you have to rehab it? was turnkey ready to go. We just kind of flew. There was all these things we wanted to do, but it was operatable. So we're like, we're just going to start operating. And then we'll do the things, you know, we wanted to do some cosmetic things like repaint this wall and put that metal up, which I did this week when we've been here for four years. <laughs> but we thought we would wait like a month and get it together. And then we were pretty busy then, you know, because the oil field was still booming. So we never really had any time. It just, we just kind of flew right into it and we were here and they were kind of like, okay, well, we're going to show you what we're doing, whatever. And they kind of showed us I'm like, okay, I'm, that's what you were doing, but this is what I'm doing. So, gotcha. and we just kind of flew with it. And, yeah. We were, we worked here two days with the previous owners, and they were going to hang around for like a month or something. We were like, we're good, you can <laughs> go, and we were fine. I mean, we had been used to working in a place that was really busy all day, every single day, with 14 employees. So, like, working here with just us, and it's like, people were very leisurely, and people were pretty cool here, you know? So, it was like, it was a breath of fresh air for me. So, how many, are you guys the only official employees of Pioneer, or how many people well, we are? we got like... 
Emma, that girl you met before who helps us a lot. She's not even, I mean, she doesn't even really necessarily work here. She just works when we need her at this point. <laughs> she's got a lot of other stuff going on. But she always helps us when we need help or we'll watch the place for a couple of days. And then we got like two part-time like schoolgirls that'll help just so, because we're open through the evening. Right. And that way we don't both have to be here the whole day. I come super early and I deal with the whole morning rush, which is when we're the busiest. And then she comes in the afternoon and kind of just kind of goes through the night. Gotcha. So yeah, it's, it's gotta be tough to do all the cooking, all the serving. I mean, it's, especially for serving lunch and dinner hours, that, that can be a grind. That's, that's a long yeah. day. I, I assume you're working it is. 20 hours a day or <laughs> I don't know. I try not to think about it. We kind of separate so he, I'm yeah we keep separate and it kind of works out she knows how to do everything so she can prep everything for me and then I can kind of yeah. glide through it and I kind of have things on relative autopilot unless something crazy happens like you're not expecting it to rain and it cools your pit off real bad in the middle of the night like last night and then you're <laughs> here in the morning trying to rush everything because I just kind of like to get my briskets going and then I can let them glide through the night. I mean, we only live two blocks away. That's the beauty. Like, I can come back over here ten times, but I can still be, like, watching TV in between right. times. Right, you get a nap in. If you once we move, that's not going to be an option anymore, but <laughs> it's good for now. Well, and evenings aren't, aren't crazy. But lunches are, like, busy, busy time. at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. So evenings are very hit and miss, so it's not... Gotcha. Um, we don't get a lot of people coming in to sit and dine. It's a lot of, like, taking home for dinner and stuff, so... So those, the menu for Pioneer, how has that kind of evolved? Like from the early days, did you inherit any of the old owner's menu style or did you come in with your own? No, we inherited. I mean, we just kind of took the menu that was here and just maybe changed it gradually over time how we wanted it to be. You know, it's like, okay, you were making pinto beans like this, but I'm gradually make them like this but we didn't he had most of the base and we came here with a new menu board all painted and it's still sitting in our house and that's still the menu that was here when we got here oh wow now you um you mentioned you know even basil is hard to get around here how do you get all of your sourcing of your products san antonio so you have to make the drive out there that's a long drive for for product um now you have every tuesday at 5 (laughs) a.m Now the menu, the menu that you pointed to, um, doesn't have the sides. Um, are those some of the sides that, that we've had before that are so good? Because I think originally they only had two sides when they painted that menu. <laughs> so that's just the way it is. Until I change it. Yeah, you guys have definitely expanded the sides. Yeah, we keep them on the chalkboard. And that way we can do different things. We try to do five sides a day, and we try to keep a few things steady, like corn, because it's popular, and people come, I don't want them to be like, oh, I really wanted it, we don't have it. Mostly I change the vegetable, because I like cooking vegetables, and I feel like people don't really get that bent out of shape if you don't have the green beans they were looking forward to. But I like cooking sides, and that was the big thing when we were going to do this, is like, I'm... I wanted to have good sides. I hate it when I, I like, I mean, I'll just eat meat, but it's like, just put a little effort into the sides for God's sakes. That, that's one of the things that when we were doing research for the interview before we met with you guys, you'd worked at Blue Hill for a short amount of time as well in New York, yeah. which if you're going to learn about vegetables anywhere, I guess Blue Hill's a pretty good place to do it. Um, yeah, nothing like about 50 cases of uh, farmer's market vegetables to peel every morning. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone's listening, not aware, uh, Blue Hill is, uh, you hear about farm to table all the time. It's kind of a culinary buzzword now, but Blue Hill is about as farm to table as you're ever going to get with how they grow products, source products, serve products, utilize every ounce of 
things that they can from the land. Uh, Dan Barber's kind of a fanatic about that. Um, so when you when you came here and you introduced more of the, we won't call them chefy sides or artisanal sides. I think those words are overused, but. Um, I guess you brought more of your background to things. I mean, barbecue is comfort food at its finest when it's done well anyway, but... Yeah, I try to make it like... I try to figure out how I want it to be and then uncomplicate it as much as I can. And that's what's worked for us here. And I don't do anything complicated here, you know, but I can go get tomatoes from a guy, you know, in his yard that's got an honor system box a mile away. So all summer we have... Like tomatoes and cucumber, salad, and That's stuff like that. That's one of the upsides to a small town. Yeah, too. everything fresh. Yeah. Soon, hopefully, we're going to be growing a lot of our own stuff. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. But, we, we try to keep it pretty, like, traditional barbecue sides, but... And I would do more. Like, that was a big thing. Because we did about 10 different sides, and they changed every day. And a lot of vegetable sides. It's a lot but it's of like work, too. People here... <laughs> 90% it doesn't matter if I have 10 sides up there 90% of the people are going to get potato salad and beans so it's like kind of becomes yeah you got to so cook for the audience yeah. yeah yeah. so if we just do so I change things potato up potato salad and beans really well then we're and I'll change it up for myself you know the other <laughs> stuff more so than anything but I have a ton of people eating like cabbage and collard greens and more, way more than I thought would be that's good. I think, that, you know, we talk about all the time is, you know, educating the customer or introducing them to different things. And some things are going to work, some things aren't. But I think it, we've talked to a lot of people that have been kind of surprised about different things. We were just talking with Russell Ragels yesterday about collard greens, and he put them on the menu a couple of years ago. He never thought they would sell, and that was in Houston. He didn't think they would sell. And it's, he said it might be his best-selling side at this point. We yeah. sell a lot of them, too, when we have them. And it's like you got to get people to trust you because right. you know right. how many barbecue places do you go into and it's just like canned green like straight canned green beans yep. out of the can like they, oh, did, yeah. they didn't even season them they just dumped out the can yep. it took me a long time before i started ordering it at a barbecue restaurant because that was my experience with it was mm -hmm. it was just not good and, and the people don't care i mean you can write on your menu i mean i cure i'm curing and smoking the bacon that i'm using in the vegetables but I could write all this crap on the menu and say all this. They don't care. So at the end of the day, it just has to say green beans and they have to trust you. But if you start writing a bunch of stuff, then they think you're being pretentious right. and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a big aspect of, like I said, co cooking for the area you're in. I mean, there's, I'm sure there are, you, like you said, you'd love to put a banh mi on the menu, but would it be ordered? You know, so it doesn't matter how good your food is if you can't get people to actually cook. I'd have to call it a po' boy. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, people come in here yeah. and they call everything a po' boy. It doesn't yeah. even have to be a long bread. It's just like every sandwich. You got po' boys? I'm like, no. Or a burger. Yeah. Burger. I'd like a brisket burger. There you go. And they mean an actual they sliced mean... brisket or chopped brisket. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because some people are doing brisket burgers now, but <laughs> right. they're not asking for an actual no, brown, they just want brown a sandwich. brisket. <laughs> we, do, we do the lunches every Friday at a cattle auction, too. And that's like a whole different... It's like all cowboys... They just want to eat meat. And I go there, I cook, I serve them, I take the money, I clean, I'm a one-man show. And I feed about 50 people every Friday there. She kind of handles things here, but that's, I can do anything there. So I can do chicken fried steak or catfish or switch it up. But it's like the target audience is like meat and potatoes. Yeah, but as long as it's else. that approachable food that they've been eating their whole lives, that sort of thing. Like, yeah, Jim yeah but they like it. As well. yeah. Oh yeah. They don't know why they like it necessarily. <laughs> like you put a little effort into it, or you can cook it halfway decent, and they like it, but they don't necessarily know exactly why. But I guess that's okay because it'll get them to come back and eat it again. So even if they don't exactly like I said, even if they don't know that you cured this bacon and you did this and you did that, 
the flavor comes through. So you make right. the flavors pop, and then that that's so memorable. Yeah. And like you said, they may not know why it was better than somebody else's, but it, you start to run that reputation, which is good. Yeah, and we kind of hit the ground running, like I said, and I was amazed, like, when Daniel came or when any of you guys, I was amazed anybody came here like that because we were, we were pretty much just planning on feeding workers, and in my head, like, I'm like, where I put myself on a barbecue map at the time, especially, I'm like, why would anybody pass Lockhart and Luling to drive and eat here? You know, it's like, when we would talk about moving to do something, I'm like, yeah, but I really want to do barbecue, but Texas does not need any more barbecue restaurants. Well, and I was so wrong, because like a hundred of them have opened in the last two years. <laughs> oh yeah, years every, every time awesome. somebody says a place is saturated, Austin is saturated, somebody will pop up and be successful. And, um, you know, John Brotherton is, is really a little bit outside of Austin technically, but I call it Austin's Pflugerville, and he's doing great up there. And so it's every time somebody says that about Houston or a particular part of Houston, it, another restaurant yeah. comes and they do well as long as they're providing. Yeah, I think um, five barbecue restaurants opened this week in the Heights, something like that. Like it's every time you turn around, there's another barbecue joint opening It's like weeds Heights. growing, but it's barbecue joints popping but, up. But yeah, they're all making a living and they're all, you know, some of them are getting acclaim and others are, you know, still building their, you know, their brand. But Not everything is going to be a top 50 restaurant, but it's, but some are, and that's what's great. And what we like, you know, you mentioned, why would you go, why would you come here instead of some other city? Other than the food, which is obviously a reason, but it's that ambiance. Right. And it's, it's the ability to come in and have this experience. It's not like anybody else, yeah. not anywhere else, and unique. And you guys put your spin on it. Right. You, know, you mentioned you know, a lot of people are going to come in and order potato salad and beans, but it's those other sides. It's the other, other proteins, or it's how you cook your proteins right. that makes it stand out. Right. And, of course, the story behind it's great too, but it's a it's an experience. It's a whole it's a whole culinary experience coming to these yeah. places. Well, it's that Americana sure. Texas small town thing that we love, and I know a lot of people do. Like those road trips that you take off the beaten path and to a place like Nixon, where you've got the little town center and you've got the you know the shops and everything. And this is just if you were going to make a postcard about small town Texas, it might be this street right here where you guys are at. I mean, it's just right. it's that perfect setting for coming in and having good barbecue. Yeah, I feel like we hit hit the mark for the hole in the wall small town like charm that like people be like, oh, I was driving through this town and I ne you never would guess that this place was here, you know. So and it it sounds bad, but it's like very easy to surpass people's expectations because of that. Like they don't, they don't even know we're here and they just stumble across it and come in just because they're hungry. And then they're like, wow, this is way better and, than and I ever thought. we've talked about that, right? We've talked about it before and even before we, we started recording. And again, it's not, it's not demeaning to you at all, but, you know, you have these expectations of places that get all the publicity and everything. And so even if they knock it out of the park and it's great, it's still not a very impressive meal. Right. And if you come into a place and you're not sure what to expect and it's great. Or, yeah, or you just come so in with no about. expectations because, again, you stumbled yeah. upon a restaurant and you're just like, hey, I'm in the mood for barbecue. You walk in and wow, this is not just your typical small-town barbecue place. They're doing some, you know, they're doing something else. They're doing something more with it. And I think it shows in the food that you guys make. And, um, you know, that's why we're, you know, that's why we've come here a couple of times already. That's why we're here again today. We should have come sooner than the last visit. But uh, And just to throw a couple of shout-outs, you talked about small-town barbecue. And, and that's, you know, some of our favorite places are like that, like, like Blue Moon. Blue Moon over in... They don't have a city. Um, they, they call it they call it Hearn, but they're 20 miles from Hearn. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot of little small town places. Colacne. Yeah, Colacne out in Hallettsville, which if we had if they were open early enough, we would have gone there on the way here. Um, 
uh, you know, obviously Baker Boys over in Gonzales is doing good stuff. Uh, you know, Wayne's a super nice guy. It's just those those little experiences that you can only get in these towns. Like this barbecue place wouldn't feel the same if you picked it up and put it in downtown Houston or right. downtown Austin, and that's that's what we love about places like this. Well, we love hitting all those little places every time we're going somewhere too, and people are like, "You're eating barbecue again?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> just there, and I might not be here again." And if, they happen to be open I'll eat it but it's like we love to stumble across it and it's so much better when you weren't expecting it and you're like a week later you're like man that place was so awesome and that's what happened to us the first trip here yeah and I think a lot of people and you know, the barbecue nerds like us everyone's looking for that next snows experience because that was kind of the story of snows as Texas Monthly stumbled upon it in 2008 and blah 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 and so I think you have a lot of people that are going to these small towns trying to find like that unique small town place that no one knew was there Um, you know Daniel Vaughn is great at it he goes to a lot I mean he's the first time we heard about you was from when he came and visited and wrote a really nice article on Pioneer and like oh damn that that made that yeah. made us put you on the list to come visit. Which I mean, was, when he came, I was so, like, I recognized him as soon as he came in, and I was just so amazed. I was like, whoa, why would he be here? <laughs> yeah. Well, he I mean, definitely seemed to like the food, and for good reason. Yeah. But, yeah, I think and we the were... the road trip aspect, you yeah, know, in yeah. Texas, where you, you know, you get out and you see the country. I mean, uh-huh. you're talking about I-10. You don't have to take I-10 to get here. Um, it's not that far from Lockhart, so you can make a Lockhart loop. Oh, you can make a great around. loop out of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Especially we, now with like Baker Boys and Gonzalez, or absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you can you can throw in Shiner in that loop yeah. and have a whole day. Of, you know, that's our favorite thing is barbecue and beer and other yeah. Spirits. I think yeah. that was the first trip we made here. I think it we went. Was. To, I think we went to Gonzalez, had a couple of beers at the Shiner Brewery, and then headed over here. So yeah, it's it's one of those cool little Texas experiences that you're just not going to get in any other state. It's you know it's just unique to this goofy little state that we travel all around. And the drives are. The drives are beautiful. If right. You're, if you're right. off the highway, it's it's a beautiful drive. Yeah, definitely, and you get in. We're coming into um, uh, you know, wildflower season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just that whole from Brenham all the way around. It's just just great. From here, you can go to West Texas too. There's a lot of ways to work you into a, a road trip, and we certainly recommend it to our listeners. Um, yeah. Make sure you check it out. Let's talk a little bit about the, the sides because I've been hankering to talk about some of these All right, yeah. desserts. Tell, how, did, how, did the, uh, how did the firecracker corn come about? It's here when we and got And what's there, in I it? I can't even claim <laughs> it. The secrets that you can tell anyway. Um, it's just kind of like a, a, a corn with a cream base, you know, which is seasoning stuff and there's nothing really <laughs> it's so without it's, telling it's you everything yeah, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, so, it's so simple that we can't even explain it that's the best size without yeah. I'm not kidding the, the ones that have the right flavor profiles I mean it's almost like a cream corn but it's more like an elote and they were doing they were doing it and we kind of tweaked it a little and changed around the way they were doing it we kicked I, I it up it. a little bit because they yeah, were it's a little spicier and a little less cooked in the sauce, you know, it's a little fresher tasting. It's just one of those sides that you remember after you leave, yes. you know, like then it's hard to get that with potato salad or coleslaw or beans, but you know, when you have that one side, they're like, oh, I need to go back to that place because I can only get that dish there. It's it. Tater tot casserole. Yeah, tater tot casserole is one of those stupid ones we talk about all the time. I love tater tot casserole. So do we. I used to make it at another restaurant all the time. And I should make it here because these that probably would go. I, I think that would probably go over really well yeah. in, uh, in little Nixon here. Then we'd yeah. be eating it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not, well, I guess that can be a bad thing, but it's also not a good thing. Yeah. Um, the banana pudding, let's... Uh, 
that was a, a that was a New York was, transplant. Yeah, That's I've been making that for a long time, like probably three, four different restaurants. And we're looking forward to that because the last couple times we were in, I think we had the cobbler once. Yeah, we had dessert, but, but, not, but we have not had the banana pudding. pudding and we, we have seen and heard some really good things about this banana pudding. Yeah, so Daniel really liked it. our banana and He's a banana pudding fiend. <laughs> he's a kind of sewer. Yeah. He wrote that banana pudding thing like the month before he came here. And he was like, <laughs> you would have been in that for sure. I was like, great. Don't tell me that now. That's funny. The, the, they need to, the Daniel, second, if yeah. you're listening, you need to update and do yeah. a new banana pudding it's list. It's time for a new banana pudding <laughs> list. Yeah, Especially since number one is not there anymore. Yeah, the number one place is closed now. What um, was the number one? Verdinsky's in Amarillo, which was excellent banana pudding. I have eaten it. They burned down, unfortunately. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so they are no longer an operating barbecue restaurant. Um, but yeah, we, we've heard twice in the last two days about banana pudding that was really good and would have been on that list, but he ate them both after the list had come out. So um, yeah. Must be time. It's it's time for you know the the 2018 version of the banana pudding. Yeah, list. the banana pudding is interesting because it kind of evolved, and I've been making it. I mean, we've been here for four years, six years, probably 12 years, and it's kind of I've tweaked it along the way. And just recently, in the last maybe like two months, I figured out that I could do it way way easier than I've been doing it. <laughs> And it comes out exactly the same. It's like half as complicated, and it's exactly the same. And you're kicking yourself like, why did it I? It took me 12 years, and I know that other places I've worked at are probably still doing it, even though it was mine, you know. And I'm like, eh, I'm just gonna keep letting them do it the hard way. Waste some effort into it. That's awesome. Um, so what? What? How would you describe the banana pudding? Like, is it? Well, I do a custard, more or less, and I do a mousse. So then I fold them together. So instead of just being like super like, we're gonna like eat so yeah, much it doesn't have that good. like gummy pudding. It's not gooey. That's, that's my it's favorite is when you thick. fold them together. It's, oh, it's, that's yeah. Yeah, and then I whip it back up again and try to keep it stabilized. So it, it's, I mean, I, I'm pretty modest about most things, but I haven't really ate any better banana. So pudding. you're not just shooting some uh, Cool Whip on top. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That's we're sad. glad to hear it. Yeah, yes. that's uh, hand hand whipped. Well, not hand whipped, but mixer whipped. whipped. Home whipped. <laughs> yeah, my kitchen aid went out, so now when I do it, I gotta do it with one of those. Oh, uh, I gotta get the beaters. Like, the old, the old takes old ones. I'm like, keep it, keep it away from your it's beard like and your hair. Yeah. And minutes later, I'm still over there. And like, and there isn't everywhere. like a lot of kitchen aid repair places around. Oh. So it's like it used to be the switch was going out, and I could just knock it a couple times and it would come on. And now I've reached the point of no return. I, I do have this vision though that you could find some great old cast iron or knives. At some of the sales around here. Oh yeah. Out on the weekends. We were hitting a lot. We have an online store. Where we sell old like vintage kitcheny stuff, home stuff. Know? Oh crap, Andrew, you're in trouble. And we hit. All, <laughs> that was on my list of things to talk we about. We hit all <laughs> the estate sales, and we kind of like just buy stuff we like. So our house is just random, like deer heads and. And everything, hog heads everything and, in our house is for Yeah, like we'll hang it up, and then she's like, "Oh, we sold that." I'm like, "Okay." So we're talking door. about honey and swine, right? Yes. Right. Okay. So. Yes. Um, is that a, is it an Etsy store or how are you guys doing that now? Yeah, it's an Etsy store. Okay. It's an Etsy store. Um, we it's, wanted to kind of have the feel of a old general store in, in like a town. So we have a lot of vintage kitcheny stuff and, um, random some stuff we make and some stuff we buy. It just cool. kind of depends on what we can find. But Amy is a tailor. I mean, she hasn't ever mentioned it, but a, a pretty good tailor does a lot of work still for people out of town mailing her big projects and 
she makes patterns. So it's yeah, like so she, I make like make some, some stuff like pillows it. out of old feed sacks and really just Americana mm-hmm. style stuff. And There's then we the also most industrious restaurant owners like <laughs> <laughs> we, sometimes we talk to people like and they're just like, Whoa, I don't even know. You guys got so many things going on. Do you yeah. focus on anything? I'm we like, don't, oh. we're not focusers. Yeah, they're like the Brian version of restaurant owners. <laughs> we, we, I joke all the time. Brian's got like 86 hobbies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know how he has time to do any of I them. I have storage units and sheds full of projects <laughs> that have never yeah, even but, started, let alone finished. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just get a new idea and then go wild with it. Yeah, yes. but, but then, then ADHD kicks in and uh-huh. I have yeah. to go put it Sounds in the corner and I'll, I'll finish it, you know, and then it never gets finished. Oh, yeah. I got but I can't sell it because one day I'll finish it. Right. I got big boxes of stuff that I'm going to make for the store. Antlers. I got a box right this big of antlers. I was going to make necklace holders. I got a whole backyard full of hog dogs. <laughs> it was a running joke for the longest time of when Brian, who barely operates his blog anymore, there was always, every time we would talk about any barbecue-related subject, he goes, oh, yeah, there's an article I'm working on. Oh, yeah. And so there's, like, this <laughs> running list of all these articles Literally, that Brian's there's, been working there's on. Literally, there's, like, 20 half-written articles that I put a lot of work into, but I never could get to the end, yeah. and so... He has this article on this guy named Aaron that's starting a trailer in yeah. Austin. Yeah, apparently. But, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's awesome. but but yes yeah. brian has a lot of unfinished projects but you guys actually seem like yeah, you're and, doing and so a lot of your let's, yeah, let's remind everybody it's, it's on etsy and it's called honey yeah. and swine yeah you can find it um honeyandswine.etsy.com i think is how you find it and well once we're we like we have bigger plans for it like once we're growing we want to put some of our preserves and stuff like that in there we have our rubs in there currently that you can get oh cool um our barbecue rubs we're trying to kind of merge the two things and our little farmhouse we just bought into one like unit like lifestyle like a conglomerate of i mean it seems like a lot of ideas but really in our head they all in our head it's all there's some connection on some level to all take that chip and joanna okay yeah (laughs) Yeah, just like... Yeah, 100% less pretentious, but... Yeah. That's what I feel like when I'm working on that house every night after work. I'm like, this looks so much easier on Fixer Up. <laughs> well, they have a whole crew to help right, them behind exactly. this. Well, that's why I told her, I'm like, what if Chip doesn't really know how to do anything? And he just, like, stands there, and then when he leaves, a bunch of Spanish guys come in and do it. <laughs> yeah, there's so many outtakes of him holding the hammer upside down that's that they just edit out of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Chip. Uh, we were just we were at we were in Waco eating barbecue a couple of months ago, and we're just blown away by people <coughs> standing in line for cupcakes being made by people who fix houses. Like it, it was just weird. Like, signs. I have to talk about the signs because <laughs> you know twenty five dollar, thirty dollar T shirts and stuff. But um, you know the the signs that you can have cut out with a um, oh the metal metal signs. Yeah, those are seventy dollars. Yeah, and it's just a piece of sheet metal that's cut out with an automatic machine. <laughs> And then they throw some paint on it. Hey, like, you, you haven't even gotten into the cotton, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they sell cotton. You know, it's just hey, people buy it. It's yeah, a thing. Yeah, I mean, my wife will buy it. They I saw it at your house. You've not seen cotton <laughs> in my house. They're a lifestyle for sure. They but are. But more they power to them. They're an hey, empire. But you know, they yeah. had to start somewhere too, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking um, to be an empire. <laughs> absolutely. So let's get a little bit into meat, right? We haven't we haven't gone too far into the meats yet. Um, what do you smoke with? What what type of wood do you use? Oak, straight oak. Okay. Uh, I like hickory, but there isn't a ton of hickory around. It's it's hard to find, and oak is usually pretty easy to find. Although you're getting closer to mesquite land out oh, here. Oh, I'm too. in mesquite land, yeah. and it's amazing how close 
you know, I'll get a lot of people that come in here. I have a lot of different kind of people that come in here and I'm like, oh, why don't you use mesquite? Like, I don't like it. But to them, that's just mesquite's barbecue. That's what you grew up it's, with. It's like, hard to real cook hot with. Fast. Yeah, and, yeah. Say, it's a real. It's a um, barbecue. Such a regional thing, anyway. But yeah, type of wood is super. And everybody super regional. feels like that they're 100 percent right. Right. Of course. And I'm not like that at all. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis. Everything's got sauce slopped all over it. But it's like I like it. It's like I grew up with it. I understand other things too. And I, I, I never order brisket if it's not in Texas because it's bad. Yeah, it's usually pretty much not everywhere. I'm like, I don't really understand how you can cook all these other things so good, but yet you completely debacle this brisket. Like I don't, I just don't even get it. Well, it's they. A lot of times, it's just they haven't had or experienced really good brisket. I mean, I guess, but some of these places that are kind of big and popular and they are in all these different like cooking regional like things with other people from other places like the Big Apple Barbecue you know they have all those people there and it's like some of them yeah. still you go in their place and the brisket is horrible <laughs> like everything else might be great and it's, it's tough to cook I mean it's it's a cantankerous meat and like you said you talked about woods I mean it's really hard to cook brisket on all mesquite um, and it, oh, it I use mesquite bars if I get a catering and they want me to cook a bunch of steaks or something. Like, oh, yeah, it works really well, but if you burn steaks it down to cold for steak and chicken and, and, and the bacon, and those you just yeah. use it on Yeah, I used some on the bacon that I just, I tried it. I was doing oak and I wasn't feeling like it was smoky enough of a taste. I've done it with our sausage, playing around with mesquite on our sausage. Yeah, I mean, it works on some things. I just, brisket, it's so easy to overpower brisket right. with mesquite. You get, I mean, it's got to be a short tingly cook. feeling from mesquite wood. And yeah, it's once you start getting this far west and even further it's mesquite country uh, yeah we talked with uh Arnest robbins over at Abbey Mays about it because they're in lubbock but they cook with all oak because that's what he started with but it's it's unique because there's not a whole lot what of do oak. they cook with oak oh, oh yeah. yeah he's using oak he's not using mesquite out there um but it's it's hard to, it's harder to find oak oak cooked barbecue the further out west you go um, Man, they blew up fast, right? Yeah. Like, I was following them before all this just because they were, like, a young couple, and they just kind of right. had a lot of parallels with us. And now I look at them, like, whoa, they're like the Chip and Joanna of barbecue. Yeah. Like, they right. kind of, actually, it's, it's not a bad – well, it's a bad comparison because I'm not huge fans of Chip and Joanna. So I am, so I mean <laughs> okay. it as a compliment. Okay, yeah. But, yeah. But no, their, their new building is just yeah, phenomenal. And, I mean, their food is – outstanding yeah and right, there are a lot of parallels i could see yeah. with you guys and with their story too yeah i mean they're serving great barbecue and they're a really good yeah family. they seem super yeah. cool yeah they're cool. some of the nicest people i'm into any like couple businesses that work and you don't kill each other like <laughs> that's probably one of the harder things it, i mean it is there's know. no way my wife would be the first one to tell me there's no way i could ever work with you no matter what the job would be i couldn't do it well, i think what saves us is that we're not here at the same time a lot so <laughs> yeah we kind of cross paths a lot here and then but it's, it's, it's not side by side in the kitchen all day no because yeah. we have completely different ways of doing things like she's like super organized and tidy and I'm kind of like flying real real loose all the time and I've been cooking for a long time and that's just the way I operate like it's like for me to cook what I need to cook in the morning like get my sides together it's kind of like I can be half awake and just glide through it because it's way less complicated than what I have done but if I'm trying to tell her how to do it and I don't have any exact measurements or times or whatever, it makes a lot of conflict. Because she Sounds like our barbecue off. sauce sometimes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she yeah, operates off list and grids. Yeah. He's like, yeah. give me the ingredient yeah. list. It's like, well, you put this or not. Yeah, well, just, yeah. one of my favorite things is reading Brian's recipes. Because like, they, will, they will literally say, put two tablespoons or whatever. 
in the, of this. Yeah, that's exactly the way I am. Yeah, add one lime or something, just don't screw it up. Like, that's literally written on the recipe. I'm like, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, with, with certain items, I mean, the flavor is different. You know, one lime well, And then I'll make it and I'll be like, why doesn't it taste power? the same as when I made it? Because you have no recipe. Because <laughs> you're just telling me, or whatever. Well, it's good because, like, with getting Emma able to kind of watch things for us if we want to take a day off and getting her I mean she came from no cooking experience at all to she can pretty much get everything done here and it's like in order to do that I did have to standardize a lot of things that I probably still would not have I mean yeah, I like even... I was making rice roni essentially before I met Sean and I really I think I've come a long way yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's we've got it pretty dialed in now but I wouldn't even probably have a recipe now and some things I've taught her like we do cabbage like with bacon like people call it fried cabbage but it isn't really fried you know what I mean like cabbage and brisket drippings and bacon and onions God, that sounds and good. I taught her how to do it and now she can do it better than me like and I feel like she stayed with the way I originally taught her whatever I told her I'm sure she's doing it exactly that way <laughs> and I've probably drifted to wherever but hers is way better than mine and I can't even get back to making it as good, <laughs> and I showed her how to make it. And I'm sure she hasn't changed anything because it's not her way. She probably does exactly yeah. the that, way I said it. That's a good time. lesson for all of us: is you finalize your recipe and stick to it. Well, and that's the other thing. I'm like, what if something happens to you? Like, I don't. I need to know. I mean, the banana pudding would be gone forever if something happened to you because I, I. That's one thing. Spanish guys making it all over New York City. Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't feel like that. That's my So you're just going to have to go hire one of them and get them to fly yeah, to Nixon. Yeah, fly them down. <laughs> I'd love to show somebody else how to do it because I don't really like doing it. I hate being sticky. And with that like hand mixer, it's inevitable <laughs> that it's all over your shirt. Yeah. My advice for, for couples working together is, is don't work at the same time. <laughs> Makes sense. Run the yeah. business, but work. Yeah, it's fun once in a while. We'll work together and it's busy. If it's a good day and we're just busy, then it's good because I don't have to worry about anything. She has all of her stuff done. I don't have to supervise. But if it's not busy where you're kind of just messing with each other and nitpicking, and I'm like, I always change my mind about how I think things should be on the spur of the moment. Well, why are you doing that like that? You should have did that like this. And like, it's just like, it doesn't really work out. I hope our wives don't listen to this episode because there's so many things like when we do our barbecue yeah. pop-up stuff, our wives help us mostly take, you know, taking orders and, and, <coughs> and writing tickets. And we have the goofiest like ways of thinking about like, oh, you should abbreviate this like this and this like that. And our wives yeah. are like, shut the hell up. What, is, what like, does CS stand for? Oh, God. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we've had so it's many battles about joke, the most we'll, inconsequential well, parts see, of serving barbecue. We had years of that before where I was actually her boss. Yeah, that's... When and, we were in New York, he was my boss. And we so. had a code system there for all these different sides, and we had handwritten tickets, and we were busy, and I would constantly be flipping out, like, what in the world are you doing? Because I would have four waitresses, and they were all writing different, a different yes. code. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, you know it's potato salad. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. one of you's writing one, pot, one's writing PS, <laughs> one's writing SAL. Good, it's, it's not like, just us. It's like, I got to like... That's exactly what happened to us. And well, every time you have to like stop your brain for a second and just think about, yeah, yes. you can figure it out, but then you forgot 10 other things that yep. you had stuck in the back of your head. Yeah, when, when you're in the weeds, you don't think about, you know, you don't compartmentalize that stuff. You just want to go bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Yeah. But yeah, the, don't put things like coleslaw and chicken sausage on your menu because CS and CS mean the same thing. thing. <laughs> no, but there's a line in between the meats uh, and the sides. Uh, so yeah. if the CS is above the line, it's stupid, the meat. If the CS stupid, stupid stuff below that we do. Well, it's like, they'll write, like we write P-O for pickles and onions. And uh, some of those 
people that work here will write P and then they'll write a real little no, O. I'm like, why didn't you just not write the O at all? Because when I look over there, it looks like P-O. And then you're like, oh, you got onions on there. You're not supposed to. I'm like, because you wrote it and it looks like it. Has yeah, when I, uh, I like, know either write it now, or don't write it. I know now, like, how he how to write things so he understands so when I'm training if we have someone new that's like the basis of the training is how to write things so Sean will understand and not flip out <laughs> I mean it seems like little stuff but when you're trying to get orders out fast I think it's, it's stupid yeah. right yeah it's you know you want to serve people as quickly as you can and get them out the door if they got to go back to work and so yeah it, we, we've been there it, it's <laughs> it's goofy but it's it's one of the things you got to do um, going back to the menu a little bit um, your ribs. Your ribs are a little unique, and you know I know that Daniel Vaughn talked about it in his article, um, and it's one of the things that stuck out to us is you have a unique way of finishing your ribs before service, but there is an option. Is that correct? Yeah, we give people the option either way, but what we do is slice them and then finish them on like a gr hot griddle with a little bit of sauce. It just kind of caramelizes the sugar. I mean, they're literally on there maybe like five seconds on each side but it just kind of like gives it a little sauce but just kind of a little caramelized edge and I, I mean i know purists don't like sauce on the ribs or whatever but I, I grew up in st louis and i like sweet saucy ribs and they're they're not glob it's a light sauce but i kind of teeter back and forth on the idea for a long time but I like them like that, so I'm just like yeah, ribs with a sauce and a glaze are, are everywhere now. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really really you're, popular. You're seeing more of it. I think some some of the Texas purist stuff is loosening up a little bit. Maybe, maybe not in smaller towns, but yeah, we are seeing more more glazed ribs than than we'd seen in previous years. I mean, before it was just you know salt, pepper, throw it on there. That's it, nothing else. And we're seeing yeah, you know, you're seeing a little more leeway in that these days. Restaurants that are offering both glazed and unglazed, and yeah, I mean you see it more and more. Yeah, Pinkerton's has an popular. option of glazed yeah. or unglazed ribs. Yeah, I like them like that. So, um, I, and I have I had a struggle with myself because I, in a way, you want to be a purist. Like at least I did. I'm like I just want to do, I want to be right here where I'm at, this close to all these other things. I want to do the same thing and just see where it takes me. But on the other hand, I'm like, but I like this. Yeah. yeah. So and it's gradually, like it, it comes from where you're from too. So if we have right. these influences of. And all of our rubs are different. You know, we don't just use salt and pepper. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with salt and pepper. I think it makes great food, but I also feel like you could do more. And I don't want to drown it. You know, all these people are like, oh, well, you don't need sauce if it's good. I'm like, yeah, you don't need sauce, but if it's good. But for me, if it's good and then you add good sauce, then it's even better. We're big evangelists of that. And the same people that say that, some of them smoke so heavy that you can't, you're saying let the meat speak, but you can't taste the meat anyway. It just tastes like mesquite. I mean, but you can have both too. And, and you know, all, all I ask when I take friends out is I'm like, don't put sauce on it first, eat it, mm -hmm. then try the sauce. Um, it's also always good as, as kind of a dip with your, you're with nice your bread. With, I usually just lie to people and tell them there's no sauce until they try it, and then I'll give them the sauce. Yeah. And, and, I'm like, okay, and places that have good sauce, it, it's a good experience. I oh, mean, yeah. and, you know, some places have a lot of different varieties. And, Which and is a good segue into yeah, the, we, cannot the sauce here. we cannot leave this interview without talking about the scorpion sauce. Um, it's one of the other things that we remembered from both visits here previously. Um, how did the scorpion sauce come to be? Is that uh... Scorpion sauce is complicated. <laughs> a lot of people want to buy the scorpion sauce, but it's so time-consuming to make because we cook down a lot of hot peppers for it. 
and it's not a super hot sauce, but it, it's made to be mixed with the with the other sauce. So you got sweet and you got spicy, but it's like when I'm cooking down those peppers, it's like two days where you feel like somebody maced in here. I got customers coughing, and I kind of try to do it when the weather's good, and I can keep the back door open and blow a fan on it to blow it out. Because I cook down a, I mean like a maybe a 40 quart, 40 gallon stock pot, like a big stock pot. Wow. And I cook them down halfway. It takes a long time to evaporate all that liquid out of halfway. And then I puree them. And then I cook that down even more. And then I add all the other stuff. So it's like two days of just like your lungs hurting. Oh, wow. And people are like, you should sell this. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> like I would have to sell it for so much money to make it worthwhile that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's been a Tejas has talked a lot about that. They do a mole barbecue sauce, and I think uh, Vaughn just wrote an article on that too. 30 ingredients, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, mole is a complex yeah. thing in, to begin with, and they were getting, I mean, it was just out there for people to take as much as they wanted at first, and then then they gradually shifted to where you've got to ask them for it. Yeah, people would take cups, you know, yeah. the side cups, right. and they fill would, it up and take it home. Well, and then at the end of the day, or not even take it home, sometimes they'd see it on the table yeah, when they're gone, and then you got to throw it in the trash. I didn't even have that one. You got it. Well, now you have to ask for it, and they charge you a dollar for it because. But it's worth it. I think Absolutely. he said it's like a hundred bucks for him to make a gallon of that sauce or something crazy, like wow. that. And so he's like, now you know, we give you a shot of it for a dollar, but they ended up having to finally charge for it because it was just they either were gonna have to stop making it or start making some sort of money back on it because it was a complex Probably sauce. To start selling it. Yeah. I, mean, I think the ideal mix is a little sweet and a little of the scorpion, and, the, and that's how. That's know, exactly what we did. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. It seems like because so, that's how I serve it. I serve the sweet, and I just squirt some scorpion in it. And I make 15 gallons at a time. It lasts me for a while, you know, because I'm just putting a little bit. And I have people that come in and just want me to drench their, you know, they're good to go order and be like, I just want you yeah. to take scorpion sauce and drench the whole top of it. And I don't really prefer it by itself. I I eat it by itself. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> I like. But I like the super vinegary sauces, and it, it is—it's—it's it's spicy, but it has like that vinegary tang to it. Um, so that—I mean—it's got a why. lot of ingredients, and like I make it, and it lasts a long time. So in between making it, I kind of forget. You know, it's the one thing I use a recipe for. Like I know kind of what I need, but it's—it's it's like cutting all those peppers and stuff. It's like just rounding up all the ingredients. Yeah. Are you allowed to say what type of peppers are in, or is that a trade secret? Yeah, it's got habaneros, serranos, jalapenos, bell peppers, poblanos. Pretty much any fresh pepper you can find. We did a seven pepper sauce once that was really good. Yeah, we'll never recreate that. No, that was a lot (laughs) of a lot of each pepper, too. Like, you know, like half cases of like... And those prices go up, you know, and and we've talked about that in other episodes, too, about Pepper fluctuates in terms of heat. You may get one case of peppers that's... Only this hot, and the other like one is... Like jalapenos, man. Oh, sometimes yeah. you'll eat a jalapeno, yeah. and it's like, no big deal. I eat a lot of jalapenos, and then sometimes I'll eat one, and I'm like, man, I don't know. Well, a couple of batches ago, you made the scorpion sauce, and it was, like, way hotter Hot than normal. Yeah. We had to kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to control on the spicy sauce. We do a spicy sauce, too, and it's yeah, it's hard to get that heat balance right, especially when you're making it in large batches like that, because... You know, 50 of this pepper one day may only need to be 43 of this pepper in the next batch. Well, I wondered about it, if freezing it changes it too, because what I'll do is like, I gotta buy cases of peppers or it's not cost effective, but I only need half a case. So like I'll free, I'll cut them and clean them and then flash freeze them and then put them in a bag and have the other half a case. And I've always wondered if that kind of changes the heat level. So So it's a lot easier to make when you have the peppers cut or where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause jalapenos, I've figured out like we 
stuff our chicken inside with jalapenos when we cook them. And those jalapenos are hot as shit. And I don't know if it's from slow cooking with the moisture, mm. but at the end of the day, about once every other month, I love spicy stuff. I'll eat one of those jalapenos and then I'll be like, man, why did I do this? Like, it'll like make your mouth start salivating. And I was like, I'll eat the same jalapeno raw and it's, it's not hot at all. Yeah, something about cooking it in there. But man, they're like scorchers. <laughs> Well, I'm hungry. Yeah, and definitely, um, for those listening, don't forget, get some scorpion sauce when you come by. All right, so uh, Pioneer Barbecue is open what days and what times? Monday through Friday, 10 to 7.30 p.m. Saturday, 10 to 6, closed on Sunday. But if you're nearing the closing time when you want to come, call, because we may have sold out and closed. So... If you're coming in the evening and you're coming from far away, it's always a good idea to call ahead before you leave, but generally every all the other hours are solid. All right, I love that you guys open at 10 because if you're doing one of those barbecue road trips, it's good that you can hit up one of the meat markets, come here, go into San Antonio or up to yeah. Lockhart. So if you're one of the barbecue nerds like us and you're doing these long trips, having, having the places open a little early is great. And I'm sure the oil workers love it too. Yeah, we get guys coming in when they're getting off work for dinner so it's yeah, very uh, cool yeah awesome well you guys have been here for going on four years now yeah. yep and uh continued success and we look forward to our next trip out here and we're gonna eat some food now so yeah, yeah. Thanks congratulations for out, guys thank, thank you make it out to pioneer barbecue nixon texas